You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. I always remember, even when I was a student here, this is that time of year where, like, everything starts to pick up a little bit. And if you've been procrastinating, you can turn the light on, please. Thank you. Um, if you've been procrastinating, like I always did as a college student, um, all of a sudden, right now, everything starts to pick up a little bit, and because you've been procrastinating, it gets really overwhelming really quick. And then on top of that, this is that time of year where you begin to figure out like uh, what your teachers have been teaching you. So there's three kinds of teachers. There's the teachers who actually will teach you the material. They go through everything that they need to teach you, and they actually do a good job of giving you the information and actually helping you to learn it. And then when you've got a test coming, they do a good job of preparing you for the test so that when the test actually comes, depending on how well you studied, you knew the information at the very least. There's one teacher. The other teacher is the exact opposite, where you don't really feel like you're learning anything at all whatsoever. They don't ever tell you what's on your tests. And when you go to take the test, it's just basically you go through and you read all of the information that is available to you just in case the teacher tests on it because they don't tell you what's going to be on the test and they're not a very good teacher. And then there's that weird in-between teacher where, so they teach you really well and they do a good job of telling you what's on the test, but then when you go and take the test, the information on the test has absolutely nothing to do with what your class is. Like there's, there's zero about it and you're going to take the class and, or the test and like, if it's a math class, it's like, 7 plus 67 divided by small tiger times Berlin divided by how long it would take you to build a moon on Saturn. And you're just like, you're, for real, there's those class, how many of you guys have had a class like that where you go to take the test and you're just like, this information is not available to me. Where did you get this from? Like those teachers are, they drive me crazy because you literally have to learn everything you could ever learn about the entire subject for the year for every single test because there's probably a chance that that information is on it. And I think what's frustrating about it all is that the teachers, no matter whether they're actually good teachers or really bad teachers or they think they're good teachers and they're terrible, it doesn't really matter what kind of teacher you have, they all think that they are doing a good job at teaching you. Like somewhere within their brain, they legitimately think that they are doing their job right and that you are learning, whether you're actually learning or not. I remember I had a teacher that got fired mid-semester because on the test, you could miss more on one test than your entire grade was for the year. So like the test would be worth 50 points, but you could end up with a negative 100 on the test. So each question was worth three points, and it wasn't, so it, it wasn't graded as if a zero. She put a negative in the, the scorebook. So I remember like a, quite a few of us got done with the first test, and we actually had negative scores. And we had only missed like 10 of the 50 questions. It was ridiculous. Like there was just no way to pass the class. And then one of the students approached the dean of students, and she ended up getting fired, and it was interesting. But somewhere within her brain, 
she thought she was teaching us well, <laughs> and she thought she was doing a good job. Like, making the test so hard, and she straight up said, she was like, I don't care if you're in this class because it's, and it was an entry-level zoology class, and she's like, I don't care if you're in here because you're going to be a teacher, because you want to be a doctor, or because you accidentally signed up for the class. Like, you will need to know this information the way that a Harvard student would know it. But it was she didn't actually teach us. She just, like, assumed we would know the information. It was so much fun. It was a good time. But this is that time of year where you begin to find that stuff out. It's like, you might have had some hunches, but like by now, you can really start to see um, what kind of teacher you have. But ultimately, as a student, what it really comes down to is you are only going to get out of college what you put into it. I mean, you can take the time and you can put in the effort and you can do things the right way and you can spend time studying and you could actually put the investment in and learn the material. No matter which way your teacher is teaching it, you can still learn the material if you put enough effort into it. Some classes you might have to put effort in different ways, but really what it comes down to is you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. Now, if you're like me and you got through a lot of college by just cramming, you're going to get done with college and you're going to look back and you're going to be seriously thinking like, what did I learn in college? Like I just paid thousands and thousands of dollars to learn how to Google things while the teacher isn't looking. Like that is an art form, by the way. Like have you seen the things where they cheat and they put the information on like labels and then they tape it onto the Gatorade bottle and the, and the nutrition facts are just cheating? I tried that once. It didn't work. It doesn't look very natural. I don't, it was pretty obvious. I was good at cheating before I was a Christian <clears throat> and after I was a Christian. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't cheat at all through college. None. But anyway, so uh, my, by my junior, senior year, I started to realize that cramming didn't do me any good. Even though I could get good grades, I actually probably got better grades cramming than I did actually studying the material a lot of times. However, by the end of the year, I started to realize that when I actually studied the information, I didn't just cram everything. The end of the year was a lot less stressful. Everything began to kind of smooths itself out. Because when you cram, you basically take everything into one day, and then you just stress a lot over one day, and you try to put as much information in your head as you possibly can in one day. And yes, our brains are able to hold on to a lot of information short term like that. And so you can pass tests really easily by just cramming. However, by the end of the year, you don't know any of that information you crammed, and so you have to cram even longer for the next test. And then the next test, you have to cram even longer because you're not retaining a lot of that information. So as the semester goes on, it gets harder and harder, but you can still cram for every single solitary test. It just becomes a lot more stressful by the end of the year. And I graduated with kids that I know spent a tenth of as much time studying as I did. And they had better grades than me. They had near 4.0s. They were like the, the cum laude peoples and I don't know, what, were, what is the summa cum laude? They graduated with those honors, but I knew that they didn't know anything that they studied during college. Like, they just got by by cramming. And so, when you graduate, what is going to better equip you for your job or for the real world or for whatever else? Is it going to be cramming all that information and then forgetting it a week later? 
Or is it going to be taking the time, um, learning how to shut off Netflix for like five minutes, long enough to actually open your textbook for another five minutes and study regularly, or just cram? Obviously, you're going to be better equipped to, uh, equipped to deal with the real world and with your future career if you take the time and invest it into your classes, invest it into your studies, invest it into the people around you, and actually invest your time properly. And like everybody is looking at the floor right now, so I know none of you have been studying properly this year. And so when you come and tell me that, oh, I'm just so busy, I'm going to be like, yeah, you should have been studying the right way three weeks ago so that it, you're not as stressed right now, and I'm going to start calling you out for it. But I can see your eyes are darting. Now you're all staring at me because you're like, <laughs> I don't want him to know that I'm, I'm a procrastinator. But it does. The reason it gets so hard later in the semester, if you're uh, someone who procrastinates a lot and you're someone who crams stuff in, the reason it gets so hard later in the semester is because you are seriously having to put all that information in your head every single time you take a test. If you just take the time to memorize it and to remember it throughout the weeks while you're going through class, um, by the end of the semester, you won't have to cram and you won't have to like hurt yourself staying up all night. If you ever tell me you had to pull an all-nighter, I know you don't manage your time very well <clears throat> or you forgot about a test or a, a, a subject that was coming up because all-nighters don't need to happen. Either that or you've overcommitted yourself. You shouldn't be losing sleep, um, princess. <clears throat> you shouldn't be sacrificing so much for so little a lot of times. And the only reason I'm even really talking about school and classwork and, and convicting you guys about whether you cram or not, I really don't care how you study for your tests. You do you. Get through college, get good grades, whatever you're going to do, that's fine. But I want to compare school to the way that you study the Word and the way you walk as a Christian. When you behave that same way and you're constantly cramming things into your life and you're just kind of like studying when you have to or just when you go to class, when the tests come in life, they're going to be a lot more stressful. It's going to be a lot more anxiety, and as time goes on, it's going to get harder and harder. It's going to get more stressful. It's going to get harder to continue to walk your life out as a Christian, having just crammed all the information you could possibly cram in the 30 seconds that you spend with God once a week. If you take the time and you invest into your relationship with God throughout the weeks, throughout the day, and you actually take time and you do things the right way, and you actually dedicate a certain amount of time each day to God, spending time with God, reading the Bible, when tests come in life and when hardships come, it's going to be a lot less stressful and a lot easier to deal with it. And I hope you guys can see the kind of the, the picture that I'm painting here in talking about this. And what I'm really getting it down to is intentional growth. As a Christian, you have to be intentional in order to grow. And I, I believe, honestly, as a human being on this earth, you have to be intentional in order to grow the way you want to grow, I should say. Because if you're not growing the way you want to grow, you're growing, you're just growing a different way. 
and it's going to be growing away from God. It's going to be growing uh, towards the world. And so you have to be intentional with your walk with God as a human being. So if you guys would turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. I encourage you if, you, if you have a Bible, turn to it. If you've got your phone, pull it out with your YouVersion app. <clears throat> but open up to 2 Peter 3. And so, like always, I'm going to encourage you to go back. And the reason why I want you to open up your Bible, I want you to open up your version, whatever it is, is so that you can put a bookmark there. You can mark it so that the next time you open up your Bible app or you open your Bible, it will be there. And you can be like, oh, uh, yeah, Tanner wanted me to read Second Peter 3. So you can go back and read it and actually look at it for your own eyes. Because the last thing that I want you guys to do in here is to be secondhand Christians. I don't want all of your information about God to be secondhand because I told you so. Because what if I'm wrong? What if I read it wrong? What if I wanted to deceive you and I purposefully am a wolf in sheep's clothing and I want to lead you astray? You don't know unless you go and read it yourself. And so I want to encourage you to go back and read 2 Peter 3. And so what's going on here is the second epistle of Peter was written by Peter to various churches in Asia. Asia Minor specifically. And Peter kind of has a theme here, at least in my opinion. It kind of seems like throughout all of Second Peter, he's kind of writing this like last letter. Like he feels like he knows he's going to die soon. And so he's wanting to send out this last minute, I want to get this off my chest. I want to say what I need to say before I die kind of message, kind of letter. And so here in chapter 3, he's specifically wanting to motivate readers, whoever is going to read this to the churches, he's, he's specifically wanting to motivate the Christians to stay steadfast in their walks with Christ. That's like his goal. That's what's going on here. And I, and I love all of Second Peter just in general, but Second Peter 3, I really encourage you guys, go back and read it on your own, and you're going to see these themes coming out and pointing out. But the scripture we're going to be talking about in particular is, is very short. And so um, in this letter, he's warning about what the world's going to look like. He's saying, uh, it, it's going to be this way. It's going to be hard to do. It's going to be, you're going to have a lot of people coming against you. He's just basically trying to explain what he believes and what he feels like God and what God has told him. I shouldn't say, uh, he's trying to say what God has told him as to how the world is going to be later on in the end times. And no matter when you believe the end times are going to come, whether you believe the end times are soon or you believe they're thousands of years off, I don't care when you believe the end times are going to happen. What he's talking about in this chapter explains America very well. It explains the way the American church is. It explains the way that the American people are. It explains America very well, current, present-day America. And so again, mark this down and go back before you go to bed and read this chapter all the way through so you can kind of get those themes that I'm talking about. But as the chapter is finishing out, I've found Peter's words to be phenomenal. Peter's words are just, I don't know, they just resonate. Like it's one of those chapters ending where the author could have dropped the mic. Like it just, it just ends with a punch. And so we're going to be specifically focusing starting in chapter on uh, verse 17. 2 Peter 3, verse 17, it says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Like, I feel like this snippet of Scripture is so powerful, we're actually going to read it again. So go ahead and start back over in verse 17. And I'm going to point out a few things here. So therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, that's important, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard. That's also important. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless. Carried away by who? The error of the lawless. So carried by by the lawless. And fall from your secure position. That's also important. Secure position. We'll talk about that in a minute. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's also very important. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And so let's break it down just a little bit. So you've been forewarned. What does that mean? What does it mean that you have been forewarned? Obviously, like if you know what forewarned means, it means you've been warned ahead of time. You've been warned ahead of time as to what's going to come, what's going to come against you. And so he's given a warning to Christians saying, you have been forewarned. So he's literally, what is he's talking about in 2 Peter is his warning. So he's saying, you have been forewarned now. And so just like the people who would have read 2 Peter way back then, you guys have now been forewarned. Because you have scripture, you have the ability to read your Bible. As a Christian, you have it right there. And if you don't have a Bible physically in front of you, as always, come and talk to us after church. I will get in your hands a Bible, and uh, at no cost to you whatsoever, I will get you a physical Bible. But you have the ability to read Scripture. Whether you choose to read it or not, you have the ability to read it. If you can't read, then we need to talk. Because I will get in your hands an audio Bible. Like, there's no excuse. For real. It, go to uh, faithcomesbyhearing.com. There is, it's a phenomenal audio Bible. If you learn better by hearing, do it. I don't care what it takes. Read your Bibles from beginning to end at least once in your life, at least once this year. But anyway, so you have the ability to do it. So you have been forewarned as a Christian. Like I said, whether you've actually read it or not before, that's between you and God. But the information is there and it is available and you have been warned. It is up to you now to read the scripture. And so in the same way as Peter forewarned you, I have forewarned you from the pulpit many times. Talking about the same thing. And if you're new here and this is the first time you've heard me talk about it, then by the time I finish this sermon, then you will have been forewarned. <clears throat> and so the thing that uh, is the best about God the thing that I, well, not the thing I like the most about God, but one of the best things about God is that he is a good teacher. So the way that we were talking about the three different kinds of teachers that you can struggle with or that are really hard and they don't give you the information or whatever, God falls in the line of the good teacher. He's made sure he's given you the information. He's made sure you know what's going to be on the test. He's, he's even talking about here, you're going to be forewarned. I'm telling you what the test is going to be. He's telling you what the test, what's going to be on the test, what's going to come against you. He's told you all of this information. He's made it available to you. It is now up to you to study. It's up to you to put in the time to learn the information. Because the test's going to come. I mean, it's been forewarned. It's going to come. It's going to happen. There's going to be hardship. 
This isn't one of those Christian churches where I try to pretend that everything is going to be amazing and you're not going to come against hardship ever in your future and that everything's amazing and, and uh, honey and flowers and glorious whatever. That's not real life. Like, dude, hardship comes. Life gets tough. I mean, some of you guys are probably feeling it right now. It gets a little chaotic, especially those of you guys that have been procrastinating. It's getting hard. Like, and I'm not saying that the fact that you didn't study is like legit hardship because there's legit hardship that's going on in this room. So I don't want to dumb down something that you have been going through by joking about it. But there's, there's hardships. Like hardships are going to come. I'm not going to pretend like they're not. And so I feel like it's my job to make sure that you have been forewarned. Whether you read your Bible or not, as a teacher, you know, as, as someone who teaches the word, it is on my shoulders now to teach you the same way your teachers in class teach you. I want to make sure that you guys are prepared. But even still, even within Chi Alpha, let alone outside of the Christian walk, outside of being a Christian, within this room, within Chi Alpha, it is my job to make sure that you're prepared. It is what God has entrusted in my hands and my wife's hands and Matt's hands and your student leader's hands. Your walk with God and the way that you learn this information is in our hands. We need to present this information to you somehow. But it's still up to you to study. It's still up to you to put in the time. It's still up to you to, to, to sacrifice some time and give it to God. Because there's only so much we can do. Because when the day of judgment comes, I can't stand in the gap for you. Only Jesus can. I wish I could. And I love what's going on here. And, and Peter then continues and he says, So since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless, of the lawless and fall from your secure position. So he's saying, since you've been forewarned, so you've been forewarned, if you haven't been forewarned and you haven't read this chapter and you haven't read the Bible, that's fine. Like I said, it's not fine. You need to do it. But by the end of today, you will have been forewarned. Excuse me, I've got the hiccups. But you have been forewarned. And so, since you've been forewarned, you need to be on your guard. You need to be on your guard so that the that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. This statement's amazing, and it was just as amazing 2,000 years ago as it is today because the way it's worded implies a lot. Specifically, the way it's worded implies how important it is to us as Christians. It's not talking about somebody who's wavering in their faith. It's not talking about somebody who's lukewarm. The scripture is very clear about who's lukewarm Christianity. It's talking about secure positions. It's talking about you guys that are secure as Christians. Those of you guys that come to church on Tuesday night. Those of you guys that have sacrificed some time for God. Those of you guys that have, have said, I'm going to dedicate my Tuesday nights, my Monday nights, my Thursday nights, my Sunday mornings. Those are the different opportunities you have within Chi Alpha and maybe a one-on-one -on -one with a small group leader. It's talking about those of you guys who have done the time and put in the time to learn about God and you have been forewarned and you are a secure Christian. You're a solid believer. That's who this is talking about. It's saying so that you won't be carried away from your secure position as a Christian. 
So then more so, if you are someone who is wavering in your faith, then it is even more important for you to do the right thing and put in the time and study and, and learn God's word and learn what's going to be on the test and actually invest time. Because if even those people who are in their secure position can be carried away by lawlessness, how much more so by you that might be wavering in your faith? That it's just a struggle. And the reason I say all this stuff, and I know it's hard, and it's a heavy message, and I'm trying to give it as lightheartedly as I possibly can because... This is a heavy message. This is a heavy sermon. But what it really comes down to is that I'm haunted by memories of students who are even still enrolled in this college who at one point in time were secure in their positions. They were solid believers. They came to Chi Alpha on Tuesday nights. They came to small group. They went to church in the morning or on Sunday mornings. They met with me one-on-one. And yet they've fallen from their secure position. They've wavered in their faith, and they now no longer follow God. Or if they do, they don't follow him very closely anymore. I'm haunted by the memory of students who have walked away from their faith, who've read their Bibles just like you, who've dedicated time to God just like you, and maybe they even prayed just like you. But they never took the time, and they never invested into learning the information they never took time and read their Bible. They never took time and, and, and prayed. And they never actually dedicated time just to learn about God because they loved him. Just because they wanted to know more about him. Because they weren't on their guard. And what this is talking about is it's, it's forewarning you so that you can be on your guard. So as this semester kind of sucks a little bit. And as things get hard and, and as life comes against you and I mean, I've talked to a few of you guys, and you guys are going through some hard things, outside of school even, just in life. There's some of you guys are going through some crap. There's some hard stuff that no college student should ever have to deal with. I know you guys are going through hardships. Some of you guys are probably struggling with depression. Some of you guys are struggling with feeling lonely, feeling alone. I know you guys are going through a lot of hardship, and I'm not taking away from your hardship and pretending like your hardship doesn't exist. But what I am saying is, be on your guard. Take the time. Take the time and invest in your future and in your walk with God. And the, the funny thing about this whole point that I've just made is that this isn't even my main point of the day. I just felt like it was important enough we needed to focus on it for a few seconds. I know it's a hard point to make, and, and it's a hard point to take, because I think at some level, all of us in here desire to be closer to God and desire to actually dedicate more time to God and, and wish that we could give more time sometimes. By a show of hands, who in here wishes they could be closer to God? For real, that's everybody. Like at a level, all of us in here, whether you're a pastor like me or whether you are just straight up wavering your faith and your faith is hard, at some level, all of us have the exact same desire. We want to be closer to God. And so as, as hard of a word as this is, it's also an encouraging word. And it's an awesome word because basically what it's saying is there is a way that makes dealing with the hardships of life so much easier. It doesn't prevent the hardships from coming. It doesn't maybe even sometimes even necessarily make the depression go away. It just makes dealing with it easier. 
And so I want you guys to be intentional growers. I want you to be intentional with your faith. So that all of everything I said today, the warning, the, the, the little bit of a hard word, the, the heavy word that I just gave, the whole point is to focus on the better part of it. I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom. I don't, it's like I'm not going to focus on the doom and gloom part of it all day. I want to focus on the better part of it, intentional growth. As a Christian, intentional growth is such a powerful thing. Because as you set time apart, and as you grow intentionally closer to God, as you dedicate time in the word, as you dedicate time praying, as you dedicate time and make sacrifices for God, it makes everything else a lot easier to deal with. Because the tests are going to come, the hardship's going to come. Are you going to be prepared for it? You can be prepared for it. So let me put this in a more lighthearted way. You can be prepared for all of the hardships that life can throw at you. If right now, at this point in time, you decide you're going to be an intentional grower. You're going to intentionally get closer to God. You're going to put in more time. And it's not about just, oh, I'm going to put in the time so that I can be a better grower, blah, blah, blah. It, it comes down to that root point that I just made the all raised your hands about. At some level, you want to get closer to God. So I'm telling you how to get closer to God. So it's not out of a place of obligation. You're not saying, oh, I'm going to spend this time because Tanner said so. It's not, oh, I'm going to dedicate more time over to reading, reading scripture and praying to God because Tanner said so. It's because I'm telling you, because I know you want to get closer to God and you love God, you need to be intentional about your walk. You need to be intentional about how you even spend your day. You need to be intentional with your time. So as this scripture continues... Like I said, I, I felt like it's so powerful because it's talking about being on guard so that you're not carried away from your secure position. And then he finishes it, and it's just one paragraph, but it's so powerful because he says in the next part of it, right after he says, um, be on your guard, he's saying <clears throat> the way to be on your guard so that you're not carried away is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the way that you stay on your secure position, the way that you stay ahead of the curve, the way that you prepare for the tests is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you know how you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Exactly what I'm telling you. You're intentional with it. You put 30 minutes away in the morning when you first wake up. You wake up half hour early, start your day off, read your Bible, Pray and worship. Start your week off the same way. Don't go to class having not spent time with God. Don't go to work having not spent time to God. Don't come to Chi Alpha having not spent time with God. I know you're spending time with God here, but don't let this be your relationship with Christ because you're only going to have a secondhand relationship. And secondhand relationships are rough. So how do you do it? How are you intentional 
with your walk outside of what I just told you? What does that look like? Well, it's pretty simple. Mondays at 7 o'clock in Edna, there's a women's small group. Go to it if you're a woman. Go to it not just because it's a Bible study, not just because it's an opportunity to get closer to God. Go to it on top of those things. Those things are the most important things of it. But one of the, I feel like, most underrated parts of Bible study and small group is the fellowship. You're struggling with depression? Go to small group. You feel lonely? Go to small group. Get to know the other women. Get to know the other men. Men, small groups are on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock in the kitchen of Edna. Yeah, the material's awesome. Yeah, the stuff you're studying is going to get you closer to God. And so if you struggle with basic biblical knowledge, small group's for you. You have a solid foundation of, of biblical knowledge, small group's still for you. Like, it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk, small group is for you. So beyond that, so beyond small group, say maybe you can't. Maybe you're a girl, female, and you can't make Mondays at 7. That's fine. Your small group leaders are still wanting to meet with you one-on-one. So say you can't. I know Charles, we've visited. Charles can't make the Thursday night men's group. So as a result, Phil can meet with you one-on-one. I can meet with you one-on-one. I'm sorry to pick on you. Not really. I'm not sorry. I love you, man. But that's just another example. So even if you can't make it, so even if you can make it, our small group leaders and our staff still want to meet with you one-on-one. Intentional discipleship. Have those conversations. I'm trained in counseling, in psychology, beyond even college psychology, even in ministry psychology. Dude, you need to get something off your chest, guys. Come and talk to me one-on-one. You're struggling with depression. I've walked through depression. I've walked through bipolar disorder. I've walked through personality disorders. I've walked through the heart, some of that hardships. I can counsel you. Women, my wife is an awesome asset to meet up with. And at the same time, Matt, he's an awesome man. Meet up with him. Small group leaders, Phil, Courtney, Donna, they're solid f- small group leaders. We have specifically chosen them to lead small groups because we know they are capable of having those intimate one-on-one conversations with you and giving you good advice to get you closer to God. So there's one-on-ones available. There's, again, like I said, uh, small groups, there's one-on-ones, and then start there. Come to pre-service prayer in two weeks. Go to retreats. I got saved at a winter conference in 2010. So winter conferences are pretty awesome too. Plan on going to that. Start saving a couple hundred dollars to go to winter conference in January. These are opportunities for you to stand firm and be on your guard and grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. And like I said, don't just let it be secondhand. You need to spend some time personally one-on-one with God and allow God to invest in you. And so I say all of that, and I bring it down and make you guys feel guilty. My intention isn't to make you feel guilty. If you're feeling convicted and you're feeling guilty, then that's between you and God. I just know that it's my job. I know that God has, has told me, Tanner, you need to get these students prepared. 
And the reason I want to get you prepared is so that two years down the road, three years down the road, four years down the road, however long is going to be when you, until you graduate, I want you to be able to look back on college and be like, I grew more in my walk with Christ during college than I could have ever dreamed of growing. The last thing I want you to do is look back on your college career and be like, you know, I actually grew away from God during that time. I, I walked away from my faith. Because God has put it on my shoulders. It's my burden to give you guys the opportunities to grow closer to God. So that when you look back, you, can't, you cannot say that there weren't opportunities for you to grow closer to Christ. Now, it's whether or not you take the time to study and whether you take the time to be intentional with your faith. <clears throat> Just trying to figure out how. And so the reason why I, I give these sermons sometimes, these harder-hating sermons, is genuinely out of a place of because I care about you guys. It's not out of a place of, I want you to do something for me or because I'm, I'm trying to shame you and I'm trying to make you feel guilty and I'm trying to, to beat you up or anything like that. It comes out of a place of genuine care. And so when I was writing this sermon, I, I can remember just thinking, you know, I was, I was reading about this and I was talking about in my mind, I felt like God had given me the words intentional growth and that it was my job to come up with a sermon to convince you guys to be intentional with your walk with Christ. And as I'm writing this, I'm thinking, I'm like, how can I word this in a way so that these guys understand that we care about them? That this is coming from a place of genuine care and not out of a place of, of me trying to whip you guys into shape as Christians or, or just trying to drive a point home to the point where it's, it's frustrating. And so the, the only way that I could really come up with this is as I'm finishing out this sermon and I'm trying to explain it to you guys, my wife and I have dedicated our entire career to making sure you get closer to God. I'm talking about you. Like, don't say, oh, it's the next person. We're you. We have dedicated our entire careers so that you can get closer to God. And we aren't in it for the money. My wife and I make less than minimum wage doing what we do in order to make sure that you get closer to God. In fact, we live off of just one salary. We've made these sacrifices. It's not about money. These small group leaders have sacrificed time, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, money sometimes to make sure that you guys get closer to God. Our staff members have sacrificed time with their families, money, and, and just time in general to make sure that you get closer to God. So if for one second you believe that this sermon is coming out of a place of anything other than care, just go back to that. We care about you guys. We want to see you guys grow closer to God. We want to see you guys conquer depression. We want to see you guys overcome obstacles. We want to see you guys make it through the hardships unscathed. We want to see you guys ready and prepared for life when you graduate. 
And so we're going to put on a worship song. And during this song, feel free to worship along with it. But I, I wanted to ask you one question. I want you to be intentional even within your time of worship. And I want you to, to come up with a plan. What would it take for you starting 10 minutes from now to be more intentional with your faith? What does it look like for you? If you only spend once a month in the Bible, then let's start with once a week. If you only spend five minutes a month praying, let's make it five minutes a day. You don't need to dedicate 15 hours a day to God if you've never dedicated any time to God because you're going to burn out and you're not going to stay committed. But I want you to seriously analyze what will it take for you to be intentional with your walk with Christ. And then two months from now, do the same thing. A year from now, do the same thing. In your walk, constantly reassess your relationship with God. And you could even do this for schoolwork. Reassess your habits. Reassess your time. Reassess the, the decisions you make throughout the week and, and how much time you spend on Netflix, how much time you spend um, watching TV, how much time you spend playing video games, and reassess. It's a part of being self-aware as a Christian. And it is so important for you as a human being in America, let alone a Christian, to be self-aware. You need to be self-aware and you need to constantly be self-assessing and figuring out what you can do, what you can change. Because if right now you're good and you're like, hey, I'm good. I don't need any more time with God. I'm in a place where I'm good with God and I'm overcoming obstacles easily. I'm sailing through life. I am projecting myself on a way that I'm, I'm good. And that's fine. You don't need to reassess. But if anywhere within you, you're thinking, I'd like to grow closer to God. I know I'm not handling depression well. I know I'm not handling time alone well. I know I'm, I'm struggling with this. I know I'm, I'm in this hard, hardship place, hard place. Then be honest with yourself. It's time to reassess. It's time to come up with a game plan. But it needs to be your game plan. I'm not gonna tell you what you need to do. That's between you and God. And so as worship begins, take that time first. And then once you've taken that time and you've reassessed and you've self-assessed and you've come up with a game plan, then worship. Go ahead. I, I just need this. I, I need this this Tuesday. I, I need this to happen this Tuesday at Chi Alpha. I set it up in a way so that if you do what we talk about on Tuesdays, you won't need Chi Alpha to lift you up. Instead, you'll be like, oh, I need to go spend some time with God on my own to lift me up. You'll start to see the point and the purpose in a personal relationship with God. You'll start to realize that spending time with God and reading some scripture and worshiping is more than enough. It's more than enough to get through anything. And so if you kind of have a mindset of, I'm just going to get through and I'm looking forward to Tuesday because then that's going to lift me up. Yes, there's going to be times. 
And, and it happens within all of our walks that we do just need a Tuesday night. But if you heed my words, then hopefully you won't have to have that mindset. And you'll be looking forward to your personal time with God. Go ahead. Well, I usually don't butt in and interrupt Tanner or anything like that, but actually I had no clue what he was going to speak tonight. So this word that I, I feel like I got from God um, while, while we were doing pre-service prayer actually fits in really well. So I don't know who this is for, but um, I was praying and I just kind of got the words that um, if you're not praying for something to succeed, then there's nothing stopping you from willing it to fail. Um, because when we when we pray for something, we put it like our own personal investment. We kind of take responsibility for it a little bit. And so um, if you're not actively, active, actively praying for it, then are you, are you really doing the utmost that you can in order to see it come to pass? And um, at the same time, I think it's a lot of times, you know, sometimes we, we, we kind of keep ourselves from that a little bit because, you know, we're afraid to see it fail. And so if, if we pray for something and it doesn't come to pass, are we taking responsibility for that failure? But that's really not the case. Are you doing everything in your power to see something to, to see something succeed? So, because praying for something is making war in order to see it come to pass. So pray like you mean it, and, and, and then it's also important. Once you, once you do pray about it and you've done everything in your power, um, just in, in your responsibility and just the, the, the ownership that God has given you in it, then don't worry about it. Because after that, it's in God's hands. But make sure you're doing everything you can in order to, to pray into a situation. So if you need to see a breakthrough, you better be praying about it. So I don't know who that was for, but. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word, and we thank you for uh, the fact that we don't have to go to somebody else for a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that you seek us out, that you desire an intimate relationship with us. Lord, that you are God of the universe, and yet you've said, I still want to know personally these people. You are so much bigger and so much more magnificent than anything else on this earth, and yet you still say, I want to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we could begin to set a time apart for you. Now, Lord, we could be an intentional group of believers who've decided that they're no longer just going to kind of grow closer to you, but, Lord, that they're going to be intentional with our walk with you, that we are going to be intentional with our walk with you. And so, Lord, as a result, I pray that you could give us opportunities to be intentional to share about you as well. As we are intentional with our walk, as we grow closer to you personally, I pray that we could begin to see the need and, and the desire to share about you and to invite people to Chi Alpha, invite people to small group, invite people into a conversation about you. So Lord, I pray that you would empower us. Empower us to get closer to you. Empower us to 
set time apart, empower us to be intentional. 